Before the episode starts, I'd like to direct you to thequeerarabs.com to look at the bios of the artists who will be featured in this episode. Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. I went to New York City for Salon Al-Mahjar number seven. You may have heard the last Salon episode, which was Salon six. Salon Al-Mahjar is an open mic for immigrant, queer, trans, and allied artists, actors, activists, writers, storytellers, dancers, singers, musicians, poets, feminists, thinkers, teachers, and historians from West Asia and North Africa. The event is held in order to celebrate each other's voices, exchange ideas, engage in each other's passions, counteract censorship, promote and support each other, give and receive constructive feedback, and challenge what may be considered inappropriate. It's a really nice space to introduce works in progress and completed work and get feedback from people. It's a very welcoming environment. This episode will feature some clips of conversations with people who attended the salon, people who performed or showed their work. So enjoy, and you can look forward to more salon episodes in the future. I'm with Hilal. Hello, everyone. So how is this salon going to be different from last salon? Well, it is going to be different because we have two new curators. We have Maryam Bazid and we have Nadia Khairallah. And this is more theater and dance focused, Yes. Yeah, right? so... so Last salon was more music focused. Uh, we had a really great sound system. Today we have a lighting grid and a fabulous space. We're at Brooklyn Arts Exchange, also known as Bax, in Park Slope. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. Um, and uh, I've been telling a lot of the our theater artists and our dancers this one. Two people that have been to the salons, they, I would say that they are salon regulars. However, they're doing something different. And I'm Nadia's first time doing a a piece that's choreographed and also curating so I'm really excited for tonight and all the people here are you gonna perform you never know I always say if everybody if everybody else has performed then maybe it's my turn you so never we'll know with the mafia oh you never know I'm uh, so glad you're here and you all already know this but this is the Lebanese mafia on Instagram so follow him if you don't follow me please thank you did you know that Anyanese is here Hi. Oh, can you introduce yourself for the podcast? Sure. Uh, my name's Anya Niz. I'm a Lebanese drag queen that's uh, based in Beirut. So we're excited you're here. We actually had emigration on. Yes, my niece. She's my yes. drag niece. Yeah, yeah and yeah. we're... And you were the one who was asleep. We called her drag mom and you. Yeah. And you were like, it was like 11 p.m. in Beirut. Yeah. So it was I had very... A, I had a shoot the next... I told Hilal, I was like, I had a shoot next morning that I had to wake up to at like yeah. 5 a.m. So I had to go to bed. But here I am now. Here you are yeah. now. Um, yeah, it was fate. Yeah. And what will you... Are you going to be performing today at the slot? Um, I'm not performing today, but I will be... I'm going to plug in a performance. Um, I'm performing on Saturday at uh, Ana Masriya's Nefertiti's party. Party. So that's going to be fun. It's going to be a good like uh, group of queers, Arab queers that, um, and Arab queens um, that are going to get up and do our thing. Um, I'm doing like a, an old school Lebanese number, so that's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm super yeah. excited for that. That's awesome. Yeah. How long are you here from Beirut? Well, um, that's uh, that's how I have undecided. 
because oh, um, yeah, I was so I I was there for the all. The, I mean, I've been there for seven years, but I, the last part of it, um, I was there during the entire revolution for the first three weeks of it, actually. Um, and I was going down every day with all my friends and protesting and closing down highways. And there was such power in doing that. I mean, to have me and just literally five of my friends close down a highway, and the military was right in front of us, not doing anything about it because it was our right to do that. And we were like just like graffitiing, you know, LGBT rights and yeah, everything yeah, there. Yeah. So I, I think it was just we all felt the uh, frustration and the anger, and we just wanted to get it out somehow. And this was the right moment to do it. But we all knew from day one that this was gonna we were gonna have to pay some consequences for this. Um, that this was gonna cost us a lot. Um, so by the third week I was there, I was I started. You know, you start thinking about how do I live? How do I? you know, uh, pay my rent, how do I do all these things, so uh, the financial situation was not doing well. Luckily, I'm one of the lucky ones that was that has an, a citizenship here in the States, so I was able to come. I'm here for like a good month or two to, I have some projects lined up, so I'm working on those, but I also, my heart is back there, like every single day I see all my friends' uh, social media, like stories and everything, and I my heart is there, and my family's there, so I want to go back. I truly do, um, and I and I hope I can soon. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so happy we got to meet you. Yeah, me too. Me too, honey. Thank you so much. Oh yeah. So okay. Pod, so, Adam. hey, this is Adam. Um, you all have heard from him. Many, if many you've times. ever listened to any other episodes, yeah. can you introduce yourself? And then we're going to introduce someone very okay. special. Yep. Hello. Oh, we're having a moment. Uh, hi, I'm Adam. You know me. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm an Egyptian gay playwright. Listen to my episode. What was the number? Uh, I don't remember the number. Whatever. You <laughs> all, you all just find it. Um, Google it. So, <laughs> I am so excited right now because something very unusual has happened. Where Adam has actually found his doppelganger. Not only doppelganger, but ganger. Okay. So this all started... I think I over-explained that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you did. Uh, so this started like Halloween of last year, like 2018, when I had like a play reading of Drowning in Cairo. And Michael just like showed up in the audience. And like after the reading, we just spoke. And it was like, oh my god, hi. Like, you're, you're gay too. You're a playwright too. This is interesting. This is cool. I didn't think we looked look similar. They look so similar. No, I didn't I, think I we looked look similar. similar. I didn't I think we it looked at similar. all. Yeah. My friend who brought me was like, Michael, that's going to be you in a year. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like, though. you're going to have a full-length play. And you're going to like look just like that. I'm like, yeah, true. Also, they're the same age. And the same height. Um, same height, same age, Except he's not Egyptian field. or Muslim. But he's but a gay playwright. Yeah. Very few discrepancies. I grew up in Brooklyn. My ancestors are from Syria, and I'm Jewish. But that's I just want to say that, That's like, pretty much the only discrepancy. I want to I wanna capture the, like, level of similarity is that, like, I work somewhere... He has shown up there to see plays a couple of times, and people have literally t spoken to him as me. And then my boss came to me and was like, "Is that your twin brother?" And I was like, "No, I do not have a twin brother." But thanks for asking. Yeah, I had a, I had some friends come over for a reading in my house, and people were like, "Oh, is that your brother?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I remember the first time it happened was actually the day I met you. It was during the what was it called, the queer art Mark, gallery. Mark for redaction. When somebody who oh, was, was also yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. But somebody, but we were there on different days. Because somebody who you had I met. I was there for the salon. Right. This salon at Mark Production. I oh, went to like it. the last day of it. So the day that we met, November 4th. Yeah. And you, and somebody came to me and started talking to me like, 
extensively about growing up in the Jewish community in Brooklyn. And I'm just like, dude, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but thank you, I guess. Uh, and I then eventually... You, oh my god. And that was only, actually mixed. And that was only Wait, five they days. Mixed you up? No, he was talking to me for a solid minute about as Michael. And I'm confused because I'd only met Michael, I've only heard of Michael ever five days before. Uh, it, was, it was five days after that reading I met him for the first time. And then I was like, oh. And then he said Michael, and I was like, oh, he's talking about that Michael. I'm not that Michael. Uh, like, I only, Michael. I only realized it when he's like, I followed you on Instagram, and I'm like, no, you didn't. And he's just like, Michael, right? And I'm just like, um, no. So, yeah. That's the oh team. This is just, this is magic. Yeah. yeah. There's a photo of us that we can share on the pod. Oh, really? If it needs to be on the pod, it can be on the pod. I mean, we do have a photo. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you. We just promised you a picture. It'll be on the website. Wait, do you have anything else to say? Um, at the moment, no. Unless you have like any like burning questions for me. It's like, um, what brought you? What What do you think this salon, or why do you think this salon is important? Uh, this space. Um, I think this salon is important because I think that there are a lot of attempts to work to make space for work yeah. from artists in the Arab world but I also think that there's an extent to which a lot of these works are a lot of these attempts are within or under the same culture like institutions or like standing up against the same cultural institutions which have a very sort of narrow conception of what of how works are supposed to take form I think that there's a canon, and that's always the standard that's going to be held up within cultural and academic institutions, and I think that spaces that exist atomized separate from these institutions like are the things that are going to eventually explode those canons open and make new, make new room and make new space. And I think that this is a place where we don't try to fit our stories into the contours of what stories, how, of how stories are traditionally told. And I also think it's important because we also recognize here that like though we understand each and every single one of our like individual projects as taking on its own like politics of legibility, we also realize that there's so much diversity even within our community. There's so many sort of like, I don't know, discrepancies in like what can be understood and experienced and shared even within this group and then beyond that it just multiplies and I think that's important to have an incubation place for that yeah yeah take away that level of pressure yeah totally thanks for coming on of course I'm so glad to meet Adam's twin it's so wild it's it's weird it's so weird it's bizarre here's a clip from the reading that we did from Adam Elsayev's new play called Jamestown Williamsburg hands are colorful flashcards like Ibrahim's. Lots of them. The phone rings. Diala answers. She has a slight accent. Uh, yeah, I saw the Facebook post. What's going on? Shit. Shit, shit. Uh, where were you when it happened? They're, they're always at that intersection. What were you doing there? Hey, so how exactly are we navigating the parent question when... Oh, sorry. Uh, shut up, Nuda. Ibrahim enters the living room, realizes she's on the phone. If they have your ID copy, that's not good. Uh, go to DC, uh, stay on George's couch. I don't know, I'm not a lawyer. No, it doesn't matter. Y yeah, he's, he's here. We'll talk later. Okay, bye-bye. She hangs up. She texts someone back and forth. What's going on? 
Um, ICT Nura. Who? My my friend from Baltimore. Right. I'm sorry. It, it's it's fine. We're figuring something out. Did you answer your flashcards? Yeah, it was. What? It made me realize how little we know about each other. I mean, I could answer most of them. I couldn't. Well, that's why we're here, isn't it? We get to learn these things about each other now. But isn't it weird that we're just learning these things now? I mean, given how short our... Yeah, let's... Let me just get information to Nora and we can start practicing. Diala calls. There's no response. She's not answering. Maybe she's out. She'll call you back. Maybe something happened. He comes closer. A very platonic, comforting husband hug. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Yella. Um, As Ibrahim and Diala answer each other's questions, they read off of flashcards. What is the color of Diala's toothbrush? Pink, right? Purple. That's a shade of pink. <laughs> it is really not. We have gone through this one four times. My brain can't pick up things that quickly, sorry. I'll try harder. You think they won't give you a green card because I don't know the color of your toothbrush? Hey, you know. Don't call me that. They are that strict, and you know with us being married so soon after meeting each other. It's a mere technicality at this point. We're the same age, same religion, we're not a suspicious case. They'll, they'll know that's the only reason I'm able to stay here. It might look like I mean, that's... they wouldn't be wrong. Yeah, but we didn't just get married because I was going to have to go, Ibrahim. We actually want to get married. I know, babe, but it definitely played a factor in how quickly we did it. What's your point? Just... Doing this made me realize how much more I have to know about you, how little we do, how quickly we got married. And here's a clip um, from the beginning of a dance performance by Donia. I actually saw her read poetry at Yalapunk uh, last year, so it was really cool to see her again. And she, as you'll be able to hear, she implemented some of her poetry into her dance piece. Ashta Shambhu, cosmic dancer, deep in meditation, Drum and fire in hand and eye. Shiva. Kama's arrow shot to wake love, lust, creation, union. Wakes instead first yogi's fire. Shiva. Husband in morning rage gently lifts his beloved's body from sacrificial fire. Shiva. Wearer of moving jewels, serpents, River, moon, ghosts, demons, hobgoblins, saints surround Shiva. You drank the poison when no one else could, when the ocean was churned by gods and demons. Shiva. Glorious Shiva. A play by JJ Cleopatra Daniels. It is called Lachayim to Dykes. And can we all do maybe names and pronouns for our lovely actors, actresses, actrix six? <laughs> uh, Hala, she. Nina, she. Emily, she, her. And Chala, she, her, they, them. Hannah, she, her. Leaving Williamsburg and hopping onto a bus filled with B&H workers and Hasidim, the gals sit in the back where there's a curtain blocking their view from men. 
I feel like we're lost in time. I feel we're going back in time. I want to buy a Polaroid camera. Do you think one of the B&H workers will give me a discount if I ask? A Hasidic man shouts out, Quiet, you dirty woman. One shouldn't be speaking in a man's presence. Fuck you, Alta Kaka. <laughs> man in shock, looking at other women. I love how racist our men are, yet the Mexican sits in the front, where we're seen to, to be dirty. We have a vial and squished in the back. Ladies, you want to throw a ride away? Get a show me. Does it matter? We're second class either way, and our speech doesn't matter. A few hours go by, and the bus arrives in Kiras Yoel. It's now late afternoon. Shindy, which house is your ex's? Shandy points to the largest estate with the gate, watchdogs, and security guards. Oi, Billette! Why couldn't it be any house but that one? With all that money, he couldn't pay your child support? He doesn't care. I was a possession like other, like other things he acquires. What you see isn't even half of what his family owns. It's time to take back what's yours, cause you slay, girl! <laughs> <laughs> what? I learned that from Beyonce. <laughs> There better be good food inside. I'm starving. Everyone stares at Leia. What? You think Batman, Gollum, and Lubavitcher Luba Red aren't fed well before every mission? Can we please go inside now? I second with my boo. The women walk towards the excess estate, all nervous, yet thirsty for revenge. They look around the hood and notices all Hasidim passing by them normally. Don't you think it's strange no one recognizes us? Well, we don't exactly have flaming lesbian written all over us. Remember, in this world, no one pays attention to us. How exactly are we going to get in? This, is, this isn't the heavenly gates. We can't just say, oh, hey, Zalman, we're Sh Shendi's friends. You know, your ex that you deserted. Zalman has never seen us before. He was not allowed to make eye contact with us while he was married to Shandy. Oh, and now? To, he'll get too excited to see five hot Cheneys at his door. I bet he would just turn blind staring. <laughs> there was also a performance done by Leila Meyer and Nadia Khairala. Um, it's Arab fucking-esque. They talked about it during the Yalapunk episode because they performed it at Yalapunk. Um, so that can be found on episode 80 if you want to hear the talkback about it and a little bit longer intro. But I'm going to play a clip from when they were describing it and giving some background on it during the Yalapunk episode. Hey, I'm Nadia Khairala. And I'm Layla Meyer. So the title of our piece was called um, Arab Fucking-esque, Not Your Sexy Harem Girls. It's basically a reflection on Orientalist tropes as they play out in ballet, modern dance, and pop culture. Kind of our reactions to being placed in those roles and also the ways in which we self-police and peer police when, when it comes to self-orientalizing um, as we are judging other people's expression while we're still trying to find our own grounds of representing ourselves on stage. Yeah, so with our pieces of music that we chose, we first looked at the Arabian dance and saw how it's kind of changed over time. This is the Arabian dance in the Nutcracker, by the way. Yes, yeah. the Arabian dance in the Nutcracker. And we were reflecting on how we might have played those roles growing up um, and kind of been orientalized. So we looked back and used the Arabian dance tune that you all might be more familiar with and um, also used the original piece of music which is a Georgian piece of music that is a lullaby used for sick children and um, over time it actually transitioned into the Arabian dance we know now but um, the recording of it is pretty limited for that. Yeah, so um, for those who might not be familiar with this part of the Nutcracker, 
uh, the Arabian dance, or sometimes it's called coffee. It's kind of like this very like hypersexualized uh, fantasy of Middle Eastern women. Um, there's also a lot of like extreme contortion, and like a lot of the costume is usually like harem pants, crop tops. Sometimes you throw some veils in there. Sometimes you throw some glitter in there. Don't forget um, your hookah. Yeah. Don't forget your hookah. Um, some particularly bad ones have like fake praying in there. And like, along with sex yeah, and stuff. Say, like turbans are in there too. Yeah, turbans. Yeah. A lot of times like in the plot, people will be like stealing from each other. It just reflects like a really uncivilized, barbaric society. Yeah. And you said you don't really know why the Georgian melody like ended up in that. Oh, well, we know something. So basically we found that Georgian lullaby by backtracking on Nutcracker history. So a lot of sources will say that the melody that Tchaikovsky used um in his Nutcracker composition was extracted from this uh, Georgian lullaby. I think it's Livana. Is that am I pronouncing this right? Or Ivana? It's a, yeah, it's a melody for sick children. The only like recording we can find of it online or on YouTube is from a Georgian communist propaganda video, yeah. which is cool. Um, the Georgian people that we got in contact with like would recognize it as a thing they've heard before, but Originally, the Nutcracker, that part of the Nutcracker was called the Georgian dance and contained elements of folk dance, like Georgian folk dance. What we couldn't figure out was like at what point in time they started calling that same piece of music Arabian and incorporating all the tropes we know today with the vague walk like an Egyptian arms, vague belly dancing crop tops, that kind of stuff. And we also used um, the Arabian dance that you obviously would have heard in addition to different pop culture um, references to Orientalism. We did Slave for You, a little little bit of that choreography. And um, yeah, you also, there's some excerpts of Toxic in there. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, there were some rehearsals where we just like went through any like 90s pop music dance video that had like Orientalist tropes in there, like Britney badly belly dancing. Mm -hmm. But Britney, we want you to know that we still love you. Now you can hear Bita Bell, one of the dancers, describe her piece. It was absolutely gorgeous and therapeutic. Everyone got to be involved. We got to write or draw or in some way express a just a bad memory that we put down on a large piece of paper and Bita interacted with that paper and it was powerful to see how she destroyed those memories while also acknowledging that they are a part of a person and that they are valid. In the past about three years, I've become more and more interested with uh, creating a space in which the audience can um, be involved uh, somewhat equally uh, in the performance. So then it's not just sort of me being the moving subject or sometimes object of the people's gaze, but more so uh, performance as a way to actually collectively experience something together. In Bita's piece, titled Carded and Spun, she used a narrative that her aunt sent her as an audio message as a jumping off point to explore memories and trauma. So here's that audio. Kosh 
کاش اصلا یه آدم هایی بودن مثل همین پمبزن ها که با کمانشون می آمدن توی کوچه پس کوچه ها سر ظهر خلوت شهر و دستشون رو میذاشتن کنار دهانشون رو داد میزدن آی خاطره میزنیم آی خاطره میزنیم بعد تو صداشون میکردی میامدن توی حیات لب حوزی باخچه جایی مینشستند و تو بغل بغل خاطره میریفتی جلوشون خاطره مرگ عزیزهات تنهایی هات، گریه هات، قصه خوردن هات، خاطره رفتن دوست و آشناهات، همه رو بیریختی جلوی خاطره زن. و اون هی میزد، هی میزد، هی میزد. اونقدر که خاطره ها رو تیکه تیکه میگن. تیکه تیکه. اونقدر که پودر میشدند، ریز میشدند. تو هوا، مثل قبار که باد بیاد برشون داره و با خودش ببره به هر کجا که میخواد بعد توی لیوان چای خوش رنگ و تازیدم و لیموتوش کنار میآوردی برای خاطر زن و میگفتی نوشه جون سبک شدم راحتم کردی از دست این همه خاطره و بعد از خاطرات خوش برای شبهای سردمون Through movement and the manipulation of the paper, Bita began to process the content expressed by all of us who wrote on the paper or drew something or, you know, in some way put down our bad memories. For example, she crumpled the paper into a ball and started punching it and asking other members to join in punching. Later on, an audience member grabs the other end of the paper and it's dragged to the middle of the circle. and the audience members collectively start tearing down the paper into smaller pieces. So once the salon was over, we had an after party that a bunch of us went to at a nearby bar. So that explains the bar aesthetic that you will hear in the background. Enjoy. My name is Ibrahim Khazaka. I'm from Lebanon, 32 years old, and I'm a ceramic artist, nearly an artist. Oh, amazing. And you live in New York? I live in Brooklyn as of March last year, yes. Cool. Um, and what brought, why did you feel like the salon was a good space to be in? I don't get a chance to connect with many people from the Middle East, um, and especially artists. I feel it's a very supportive community. It's very inclusive. I can have conversations with 
people from all disciplines, all walks of life, and um, it's really inspiring. I feel connected to it. What did you think about tonight's salon? Breathtaking. I mean, I saw performances going from cathartic, where um, all of us wrote um, traumas, memories, whatever it is, on a big piece of paper that became part of a dance performance later on, to uh, another dance performance on Orientalism, to um, a breathtaking, I think, uh, of an Indian tradition dance dance that I was holding my tears back until I decided not to and my hand was on my heart all the time. I'm so glad and Ibrahim and I feel like we have seen each other and we can't place where. I just can't remember where I've seen your face before. It's definitely not a bar, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't hang out in bars. Me neither, not anymore. So we're trying anything I'm terrible at like doing the cocktail party thing where you hear voices and no it's rooms. really hard when there's music and yeah you're, like, what, are you ta- what have you been talking about here why do people hang out in bars and try to talk I don't know okay what's we're, the conversation topic so we're talking about like what he thought about the salon and also um, how he and I both recognize each other and we can't place each other uh, so. some party you've been to no, but that, we don't think it was in a party or bar setting. Cool. What else have you been to? Pride? Were you at Pride? Were you at Pride? I was at the Human Rights Conference, volunteering back in June. I wasn't there. Okay. Um, we both, we just recognize each other and we're trying to figure it out. If any listeners have any ideas, I'm let a, us know. I'm actually enjoying the mystery, so let's keep it up. Yeah. The mystery's nice, right? Maybe it like was like in a previous life. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was our past life. Should okay, we yeah, I welcome that. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Nadia, um, I know you said you've run out of words for this podcast, but it's okay. I'll try my best. Can you talk about what it was like to curate this salon? For this kind of space, curation just means... Um, finding cool people to bring together and giving them space to do their thing. Thank you for the space. Yeah, thank Happy you for Happy to do it. Um, and I was doing the dance side of things. Uh, Miriam Bazid was, uh, brought in some really cool theater people. I was in Adam's play reading, which was a thing I've never done before and was kind of a mood, so that was cool. Um, yeah, I think it's very much a space where people are trying new things, um, experimenting, and being really in community safe. with each other. It feels safe. It feels like not intimidating. Because no one has expectations that you are finished with the work that you're performing um, or showing. And that's refreshing. Um, yeah, and we get to hang out with really cool people, which is the best yeah, part. Yeah. Um, and then, like, there's space for feedback if people want. Yeah. Um, and I'll just say, like, personally, like, I'm involved in a lot of kind of art spaces and productions, and um, and some of them I feel atta- really attached to the art making, but not as attached to the community around it, so it's, it's really nice to be in a space where I feel equally connected to both. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. Uh, where can people find you? God, um, nowhere. I don't want to be found. Leave me alone.
Um, no, you can follow me at Nadia in her own world on Instagram. Don't leave Nadia alone. No, don't leave her Instagram alone. Actually, you know what? Instagram likes actually they are important and Yeah, we, we were having a conversation we about, about this. Like like, like not we feel really like vain and superficial when we're like, uh, not enough people likes my photo. But it's, when it comes down yeah, to it, it, it like now it's like a marketing tool that's really important for artists. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it's okay to want that uh, that um, engagement. Like I got in jobs through Instagram and that's how the and it's also like not even just like not even marketing or financial things it's just like how a lot of people access news and information these days exactly and like likes and shares really influence that yeah so i think so it actually does matter. we're not being superficial um, when we care about social media interactions yeah because it's just another format the same way and you I, would care about like what a newspaper is publishing and like a fraction of that is me trying to convince myself like when we talk about it but I know it's true. Um, that is just the way things work now. It's a, it's a it's a medium, like so, the same way anything else is. Yeah. Like the uh, same way you care about what's being published in journalism or right. advertising or literally anything else. Like yeah. there's so just like sometimes we look down on people, people caring about way. hashtags or followers or shares, and like yeah, there is like some toxic culture around it, but it's not inherent to the medium. It's just. Yeah. Like people can use the medium for good or bad, but and it's caring an easy about how way it's reaching is yeah, yeah. It's so easy to just like like a post. I mean, obviously, Instagram as a company is evil, but that's a separate issue. Yeah, that is a separate issue. Or Facebook as a company, whatever. Yeah, whatever social media platform. Um, my, my 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 point is that like caring about likes isn't inherently stupid or superficial or whatever sometimes it's no. just about like caring that people are accessing your message whether it's for your own career like or for their your value art or whatever it is itself. yeah thank you all for thank you for coming to my TED talk, talk. Please. do you want to talk do you want to talk Where's more how are, how are you feeling come on I want to talk to Layla no come, come talk to us I know we're not Layla, but talk to us. We'll try to be her. Hi, my name is Layla, and I would like you to be on this podcast. What do you feel about the salon after now that it's over? Um, when's the next one? Um, I love the salons. They're like a little playground. Now to go back to the shitty world that we live in. Okay, as someone who is not very attached to social media, which we were just talking about, can you talk about what you feel about Instagram likes? Do you feel like that engagement is important? I would like to hear your perspective. No, okay, yeah, yeah. No, because- I feel like that was not the question, but you can answer that question instead. Well, I'm gonna answer a completely different question. So I've been meditating on this a lot and I realized that this is gonna sound really weird, but I feel like, it, okay, how do I say this? You always have to think about who your audience is, okay? And I feel like our audience, like who are you writing for? Who are you performing for? Who's your audience? That's a question you always have to ask. Is it yourself? Am I performing for myself? Am I performing for God? Am I performing for my Instagram followers? Am I, who am I performing for? And so, for me, to be honest, 
the salons are kind of a way to say fuck you like I'm going to perform for my community that's my audience but also myself and I, I what's the saying they're saying I do it for the gram what the fuck and I do like that the salon is a context where that's not important but we were talking so about like our context it's not that people have to care about social media but like some like Okay, sometimes I, like, judge either myself or other people for, like, caring about things like Instagram or social yeah. media followers. Well, we're about but it's, it's like, no, it's actually, like, what's, there's nothing wrong with caring about it. It's just, it's no, just, no, it's, it's just, that. yeah, it's, it's, no, but I think there's, like, I was, I don't know. There's something where I was, like, complaining, like, I no one liked this. this. question really badly, and it's definitely. I'm actually, I'm. I was think I was gonna announce this later, but I mean I'm gonna create. I think it's time to create a salon Instagram page. I know it's so Ooh. weird. and that's a big change because um, Hilal doesn't really advertise the salons so very much. They're really secret. Big. We're gonna start off small. Only the people that performed at the salon can follow it. For now, that was my idea. That only if you performed, you can follow it, and then we'll see how. It, like I'd rather do mixed media live work and hang out with dancers wait i want to interview now I, can you talk more about your theater and film experience i feel like i haven't actually heard that much about that oh god what do you want to know i don't want i feel like is this even recording i hope not i just enjoy holding microphones i used to do that when i was to troll people at school i mean that's one of the shady things i mean everything's a Big shade troll. Everything. Okay, so theater and film. So we didn't have a film program at my high school. So, okay, I, I was one of those asshole, spoiled brat kids. And at, I don't know, I was like 10 years old or 12 years old. And I was like, I'm going to become a filmmaker. Fuck science. Fuck everything. So I grew up with like everything I do is related to somehow theater or film. Like, it's not about what happens, how it makes you feel, like who's your audience, what's your motivation, what's your goal, get what you want, get what you want. Oh my God, like my 12-year-old self. So, so yeah, I don't know, I somehow like got it. I was like, I'm gonna become a filmmaker when I grow up. And so I like to not take any math or science classes in high school and I was hanging out in the dark room and I was doing musical theater. So, um, and then I went to film school and we used to do all, like we just, we just like to play. That's why I like to play. Theater is about play. Hi, my name is Dina, and I live in Brooklyn, New York. Awesome. And it's your second salon? Yes, this is the second salon I've been to. Um, the other one was at someone's house. It was really amazing to be in a fully lit, formal performance art space to see Nadia's beautiful work and everyone else's beautiful work. I cried at several different points. Um, it was really lovely to see so much playwriting this week, uh, just because I feel like that's a rare art form that's kind of shared at open mics, and it was really amazing to see people's interpretations and reactions as they were doing these kind of cold readings. Um, yeah. Um, and are you involved in theater or playwriting? I'm not. So my main performance art uh, is drag, so I'm a drag king. Hashtag Dorian Gay if you want to follow me. Um, and I also do poetry, writing, and then I sometimes read out loud, but mostly my public stuff is um, doing drag performance. So I haven't performed at a salon yet, but someday I will probably, if I can think of something that's a little more artsy and high art, 
Do you have anything coming up? I don't, unfortunately. If anyone uh, wants to book me for anything, please. Uh, Dorian Gay. Dorian Gay, yes. Also, just follow me. I'm on Instagram. I post sometimes. Uh, people tag me in things, so. Thank you for coming on this. All right. And now we have Miriam. Um, can you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Miriam Bazid. I'm a writer mainly. Like, so, vocate for money, I... I like do technical editing in English and I do translation usually for um, long live Amrit Dieb <laughs> for all of us so I I do some translation work for money I um, vocationally I'm mainly a writer and I do performance as well and where can people follow you sing? Sometimes. Oh, I heard your voice once on, on social media. On I think it was story. her story. <laughs> yeah. It was Nadia's story. And I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And I was like, damn, they can sing. Anyway, what? It was a great night. I had a good time there. It was great. Yeah. That was beautiful. Um, I mean, from the, the second I saw it. <laughs> what was that event? Can you? Oh, Al Qaus is um, an, a Palestine-based grassroots organization that is. The whole name is uh, Al Qaus for Gender and Sexual Diversity in Palestinian Society, and they do a lot of grassroots work there to support the queer community against local and Israeli oppression. Um, and there, there was a benefit that happened here in New York. Um, I read and performed for it, which is what Nadia was talking about. And I was really happy to read a butt sex poem there. <laughs> is what I started with. <laughs> yeah. I'm at Bazid Me, B-A-Z-E-E-D Me. Um, also, you had asked about my art practice and I started talking about it. Yeah, yeah. So I will say, I'm um, mainly I'm a writer. No, I did answer this. I perform, I sing. We got it all. We're good. Your summer. Anything coming up you want to talk about? Yes. I mean, depending on how soon this podcast. I mean, like two weeks. Okay. Well, mid next week. Well, guess what you missed. Guess what happened. Guess what happened. It was great. Talk about it. It's cool. I'm excited about. Okay. This. Um, I wrote a new play, and it's called Faggy Fofi Cairo Boy. Fofi is sissy in Egyptian Arabic. Um, it's getting, it's part of a showcase that's part of a fellowship called TransLab, which is for like trans and non-binary people in the performing arts generally. Um, yeah. Thank you all very much for listening. Please support the people that you heard on this on this episode by following them, checking out their work. I will put people's social media handles on our website, thequeerarabs.com. You can also follow us at The Queer Arabs on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can reach out to us by email at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. You can also talk to Ahmed via thequeerarabsinarabic at gmail.com. He runs the Arabic side of this podcast. Uh, please rate and review The Queer Arabs podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks all.